Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hey, welcome to today's episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and I need your help. I need your help answering a question. Later on in the program today, we're going to look at a poll that was conducted by the Deseret News and the Hinckley Institute. And it asks some very simple questions. Essentially, if appropriate social distancing protocols were established, how comfortable would you be with each of the following activities? And it goes through a list of various things like attending church services, dining in restaurants, attending school in person, allowing your children to use playgrounds at public parks, shopping at your favorite store or mall, attending sporting events. And the last one they ask about is going to a play or a movie in a theater. The, the results I think you might find uh, surprising. Uh, but, but before I get to those results later in the program, I'd like to have you weigh in, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, grab your phone, would you, and dial this number, or at least jot it down to call me later, 801-575-7668, 801-575-7668. Leave me a voicemail. I'd like to hear your voice explaining to me whether or not you right now, as we move maybe towards green in the next little while here, green being the lowered risk level in the state, would you be comfortable going back to quote-unquote normal as it applies to, say, church or dining in at a restaurant, going back to school, playing at a public park, going to the mall, sporting events, or movies? What do you think? I have some feelings. It's not universal. Some of these things make me more comfortable than others. And later on in the program, I'm going to share with you my feelings. I'm going to share with you the results of this poll. And I want to play back some of these voicemails that you uh, would be so kind to share with me. 801-575-7668. Are you comfortable going back to normal? So with that said, let's look back about 24 hours. There was a a press conference yesterday, a, a situational update, I think is what they have been calling it when Dr. Angela Dunn, the state epidemiologist, uh, appears before the media and delivers some of the updated data and some of the analysis of that data and also uh, subjects herself to the questioning of the media. Yesterday, as she started the press conference, she talked uh, about a trend which is moving through Utah now. I want to be very clear today that we have increased spread of COVID-19 in Utah This past week, we have had a sharp spike in cases, and it's not explained easily by a single outbreak or increase in testing. This is a statewide trend. That point she made right there is important. It's very important because it discounts two of the attitudes held by some of the the cynical folks. And I'll be honest, when I heard last week that there were a few days where we were seeing some record-breaking numbers of positive cases of the coronavirus here in Utah, my first thought was, oh, well, you know what? Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we have increased our capacity to test and we now have a better sense of what is spreading around us in terms of this disease. Dr. Dunn discounts that. And then I thought, well, maybe, m- maybe this just has to do with 
uh, a giant isolated case. Maybe there was a big family reunion or a large family came to town or uh, somehow uh, a big group living under the same household contracted this virus and it's, a, it's an anomalous spike. No, no, Dr. Dunn said that's not the case either. She revealed that throughout the state of Utah there are 13 health jurisdictions and that over the course of the past little while, nine of those 13 health jurisdictions, those are health departments at various levels, counties mostly, uh, that nine out of those 13 health jurisdictions, departments of health, they have reported at least a 15% growth in the spread of the virus. And the answer as to why uh, is, is unknown. So we learned that on the same day that we got a report from the Public Health and Economic Emergency Commission. The Public Health and Economic Emergency Commission is a group made up of uh, various members to include retired Major General Jefferson Burton. He currently is overseeing operations of the State Department of Health. He's a co-chair of that commission and I'll tell you now he'll be my guest in the next segment we're going to talk about uh, th this th this issue the transition of Utah to a smart green level of risk and exactly what it means to move into smart green as green rather as we have learned from Governor Herbert and various other individuals within the COVID-19 community task force we have heard of the red threat level orange yellow and green but smart green the addition of that word smart uh, it, to me at least is not exactly clear so I'm looking forward to speaking to uh, Mr. Burton retired Major General Burton uh, later on in the program today to get an understanding but along with him serving on this committee is Senator Dan Hemmert another co-chair as well as President, Senate President Stuart Adams, who we just learned today, coincidentally, uh, has received back his antibody testing. And it looks like he, he, he likely tested positive. Now, good news for him. Uh, he doesn't remember a time when he may have been experiencing the coronavirus. He wrapped up the part-time legislative session, the general session here, uh, a short time ago. And he says that typically when that legislative session comes to an end he feels a, a lag and so he uh, attributed some fatigue which came at the close of the general session of the legislature this year to that uh, regular fatigue he feels when the work is done also on this commission Steve Starks with the Larry H Miller Commission Dr Michael Good with University of Utah Health and uh, Derek Miller with the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce among others Steve Starks as well Mark Bouchard as a community leader uh, many other individuals and According to the report, which I got my hands on just yesterday, the Public Health and Economic Emergency Commission unanimously voted to recommend, after reviewing current real-time data, adopting a modified yellow phase and a smart green risk phase in the state's phased guidelines in the Utah Leads Together plan. This is coming directly from the announcement that I got my hands on just yesterday. Last line of the first paragraph reads, the, news, the new phase will allow nearly all Utah businesses the opportunity to activate a plan to open safely and help the economy move forward. We're going to take a break in just a moment, but before we get there, I want to share with you uh, the response given just yesterday by Dr. Angela Dunn when she was asked by a reporter whether or not she supports a move to Smart Green. The public health 
and Economic Emergency Commission, um, makes recommendations to the governor based on a lot of factors. We in public health look at our public health data and make recommendations for restrictions or loosening restrictions to the governor and the commission. And based on the data we have seen in the past week, we don't recommend any jurisdiction in the state going to green. Now, as today moves forward and we get a more clear understanding of what will transpire, whether or not we will be moving to green or smart green or whatever risk level across the state, know that there are competing interests here. Know, please, that the health of the people of Utah is at the top of mind when it comes to Dr. Angela Dunn. That is her her one objective as the state epidemiologist she is tasked with safeguarding the health of Utah now the health of Utah is a multifaceted thing there are legitimate economic considerations to be made there are secondary and tertiary effects that come from the stress and anxiety felt by the population here in Utah when this economic emergency continues. In our fight against the coronavirus, there have been some unintended consequences. We have seen some of these domestic violence numbers rise. We have seen some criminality on the rise. And that's the type of holistic view which has been undertaken by the Public Health and Economic Emergency Commission. My guest next will be a co-chair of that commission, retired Major General Jefferson Burton, ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. Let me tell you a few of the things happening right now. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, right now, the first of what's expected to be three memorial services are taking place for the late George Floyd. Speaking now before a congregation in a house of worship there in Minneapolis right now is the attorney for the Floyd Floyd family. We will monitor this throughout uh, the day and uh, as it develops, uh, bring you certainly uh, uh, portions of it. Uh, and we will make sure, of course, that we are monitoring this memorial service in its entirety. Uh, w- with that said, let's turn our attention now back to the coronavirus here in the state of Utah. You heard in the last segment I shared uh, a bit uh, of a document which was put forth by the Public Health and Economic Emergency Commission where it was announced that the commission has unanimously voted after reviewing current real-time data, adopting a modified yellow phase and a smart green risk phase in the state's 
phased guidelines here in the state of Utah. I shared with you a number of the names of members who make up this commission, and joining me on the line now is a co-chair of that commission, retired Major General Jefferson Burton, uh, who currently is overseeing the day-to-day operations of the Department of Health during this COVID-19 outbreak. Sir, welcome to the program. Thank you for making time for us. Yeah, surely. Happy to be here. Let me ask you, first and foremost, could you define Smart Green for me? Yeah, so uh, from the very beginning, we established what we call tiered guidelines uh, for uh, battling this uh, pandemic. They included uh, red, which is high risk, orange, which is moderate risk, yellow, which is low risk, and then uh, green, which is is the new normal. Because we've said from the beginning, uh, what happens uh, when we go into green is not pre-COVID-19. There are still some precautions that, that folks will need to take mm-hmm. uh, to uh, stay safe, and especially that high-risk population uh, that uh, uh, is going to have a concern with this uh, virus for a long time to come. Is smart green, as expressed in this document from the commission, different from the green as outlined in the Utah Leads Together plan? Uh, yeah, so uh, what, what we've done is we continually upgrade as we learn more, as mm-hmm. we find out uh, new things about the, the virus, uh, we upgrade these tiered guidelines. And so a smart green was just a kind of an internal uh, comment uh, discussion around how we could improve green mm. uh, so that uh, people had more protection while still uh, providing an opportunity to get this economy open and, and rolling. In in this uh, upgraded, if you will, uh, guidelines, w- will there be a green phase to follow at some point, or is this it in terms of uh, the, the guidelines within the Utah Leads Together plan? This would be it, uh, Lee. The, the, the idea, though, is that, that we're always evolving, and as we find new information, mm-hmm. as we get new uh, methods of testing, and what we're really looking for is some rapid uh, tests that, that give you results very quickly, and, and this is key to getting back to normal for businesses, for uh, long-term care facilities where, where the, the high-risk populations reside. And so technology is changing all the time, and uh, we just consistently upgrade these tiered guidelines. So there will only be one green, uh, but uh, smart green was just a term internally to talk about uh, how to improve green uh, so that we could get uh, our economy rolling again, and uh, that's something all of us want to do. 100%. Talk to me about, uh, at least in this document that I received yesterday, that there was a review of current real-time data in the decision to make this recommendation or to vote uh, unanimously to recommend this smart green risk phase. Talk, talk to me as specifically as you're able about this current and real-time data which you analyzed. Yeah, again, it's the same data that we use uh, here in the, the health uh, department. It's the same data that we use to, uh, to manage the, the, the risk across the state. It's, it's shared with the local health departments, and, and they utilize the, the same data. It's, it's what we call uh, the core four. And again, it, it, it focuses on the hospital utilization, which from day one we've been concerned about uh, overwhelming our hospitals. So that, that is one of the key metrics uh, that we follow to ensure that we don't get into a situation where we do that. So that's, that's the, the first one. And then uh, we get into uh, the next thing, which is proxy transmission rate. And that is just uh, simply uh, we uh, believe that you're, you, it shows you're making headway when you're less than one-to-one, uh, meaning that it's, it's one uh, person infecting one other person. Mm-hmm. Where the proxy transmission rate is higher than that, uh, you're losing ground uh, in, in fighting the spread of the virus. Uh, sir, you're still there? Yes, sir. 
Sorry about that. Uh, so uh, the, the proxy transmission rate is just the rate at which the disease is spreading. If you are an infected individual, we want you to infect less than one person. Right. And in that way, we, we're making progress uh, on the disease. And then the second, uh, it's uh, uh, contact and tracing, which is key, testing first and then contacting and tracing. Uh, the way you stop this virus is to identify the infected and then isolate them, find out who they were in contact with, and then uh, test them. And if they're positive, isolate them. And that's the way you, you, you solve this spread. And then finally is exposure source. And what that means is uh, we need to know where the disease is coming from. So we look for an 85% or better uh, ratio there, which tells us that, that that way we know where the infection is coming from. For instance, in a, in a family, that uh, maybe a, a family that uh, the, the rate, the exposure is in that family, they didn't get it from in the community. When the, when the community spread rate is higher, uh, that's that's dangerous because we don't know how to a- attack the the spread of the virus, and so we we look for a higher percentage rate of exposure source, which means we know where the disease is coming from. If that makes sense. So those are the yeah. statistics that that were used uh, by by the uh, commission, and I want to point out very clearly that the commission recommended that the governor move to green, based on supporting data, and not 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 move there without without the support of that data. Sure. Let me ask you this. Yesterday in her situational briefing, state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn uh, said two things which, uh, which caught my attention. Number one, that the relatively recent increase in the spread of the coronavirus is not uh, concentrated to uh, a single area. It is not due to increased testing, but rather is reflective of a statewide trend that nine out of the 13 health jurisdictions have uh, reported a, a spread or a growth uh, in the positive case rate. And she also uh, said that it was not her recommendation that the state move to a green risk level or this smart green risk level. How do you reconcile her, her analysis with the vote of the commission? Yeah, I have, have great respect for Angela and work with her every single day. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is this is a complex issue, Lee. It's, a, it's, it's medical, it's a public health, it's, it's a economics, and it's political. And all of those factors are weighed in uh, when the decisions are made. Uh, you can't make it, the, any of these decisions in a vacuum. And so uh, we, Angela is respected. We, we trust her judgment. And we have a lot of other medical professionals that we talk to. They don't always agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to her point, we have seen an increase in the last four or five days. Uh, and in some cases, it's been a little bit alarming in some of the uh, counties. And, and, again, I think that's just more reflective on the fact that we went to yellow more than two weeks ago. And, frankly, uh, many of our citizens are living in green. And so what I would just encourage uh, is personal responsibility on the part of our citizens. You don't wear a mask to protect yourself. You wear a mask to protect others. And uh, masks, while they aren't foolproof, do help in uh, limiting the spread and the transmission. And I think if everybody works together, uh, we're going to be able to keep moving the ball in a positive way. But uh, that's kind of what I'm seeing. Sure. Let me ask you real quickly before we go. You mentioned that there are three major areas of consideration. There are health concerns, uh, there is economics, and there are political implications. Is, is it fair to ask, can you give me a breakdown of how those three are prioritized against one another? Yeah, I think we've been heavy on the public health uh, initially early on. Uh, the modeling that came out early was wrong, uh, mm-hmm. and everybody's got uh, perfect twenty twenty hindsight. I understand that, but 
but early on the models were, were wrong, and that's what the public health was following. And I think we've learned to evolve uh, in this process, and, and we've learned to uh, be, be flexible because there's always new technology coming out. There's new stuff uh, being developed uh, currently on even saliva testing, which is very promising, very, very quick test, very non-invasive test. So uh, we, uh, we were probably heavy in the public health arena, but we're also very, very concerned about the economy. We're picking up a lot of data points on the economy. At the beginning of this, we were losing around $25 million a day because our economy was shut down. And uh, so that just cannot continue. And uh, at the same time, we want to protect public health. And so there's a balance there. And uh, we try to strike that balance. Retired Major General Jefferson Burton, sir, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for your time uh, and from your expertise as you speak to us from your position as as co-chair of the Public Health and Economic Emergency Commission. Grateful for your time. We're going to take a quick break, get some news. When we come back, we're talking about... Secretary of Defense Mark Esper and the Insurrection Act. Next on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this next issue, and it is a question of your comfort. Throughout the program today, I've been begging uh, for your help, and you have done me a a great, great service by calling the number and leaving your voicemails here, sharing exactly how comfortable you are returning to normal, quote-unquote normal. Of course, I'm not sure if we'll be returning to uh, the way things were before the coronavirus showed up for some time to come, but we're, we're on our way. We're certainly on our way. And as we make our way down this return to uh, normalcy or the new normal or however you want to phrase it, various areas of business and life will start to reopen. Churches and restaurants, schools in the fall. The highest likelihood is that kids will be back in the classroom. Playgrounds, public parks, stores, malls, sporting events, and plays and movies in the theater. The Deseret News, in conjunction with the Hinckley Institute, reached out and asked... 1,000 Utahns, how they felt. In fact, they asked the question this way. If appropriate social distancing protocols were established, how comfortable would you be with each of the following activities? The first question asked was regarding church services. How comfortable would you be attending church services? 52% of Utahns would be very or somewhat comfortable. That's over half. Moving on to restaurants, 62% of Utahns were very or somewhat comfortable. Attending school in person, this one split right down the middle, 49-49, with the remaining percentages not sure. Next, allowing your children to use playgrounds at public parks. 59% of Utah parents, 59% are comfortable if appropriate social distancing protocols were established were comfortable allowing their children to use public parks. I'll tell you what, I have a, a child of my own. Beautiful baby Piper, you hear me talk about her so often. In fact, she's just the other room away. I, uh, I'm looking forward to signing off today's broadcast so I can go uh, play with her. She's learning to crawl. Today might be the day. And I'd be comfortable. I'd be comfortable, even at seven months, taking her to a public playground. You know, of course, I have to be uh, careful. She's too little to move around on her own, but I'd like her to see what it's like out there, and I'm comfortable doing so. Next up, the question was asked of these Utahns. Were you comfortable? Would you be comfortable shopping at your favorite store or mall? This one, overwhelmingly, 67% of Utahns very or somewhat comfortable. Sporting events, now here's one. Sporting events, only 
55% were not very or not at all comfortable returning to sporting events. That one's too bad. I'd put myself in the 43% category there, the minority. I'm comfortable. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'm confident that those uh, who are in charge of the different sporting events, just down the street here uh, where the Jazz play, I'm confident that they'll come up with a plan to keep us safe. If it's maybe spacing between seats, or if we are somehow able to cluster among those within our same household, we'll figure it out. So count me among the 43%. Last category here I want to share with you before we turn to the phone lines is going to a play or a movie theater. Again, a minority of folks, only 47% are very or somewhat comfortable. The majority, 53%, not very comfortable or not at all comfortable with going to a play or movie theater. Again, I'm going to put myself in the minority pool there. I'm confident that those who are in charge uh, are or have such a vested interest in our happiness and health <laughs> that they that they would take appropriate action uh, to keep us safe. I'm willing to put my trust in their desire to stay in business. Now, let's turn to the phone lines. Uh, I asked earlier today for you to call in. Many of you have. We're just going to walk through one by one. This man says he'll stay home. Are we going to the green level because our numbers keep going up? It makes no sense. I'm staying home. Next caller, gentleman, says he's ready to return to normal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the simple fact that we've been closed down for this long um, is horrendous in and of itself. The amount of amount of uh, fatalities we have in connection with this, for the amount of, of jobs and, and, and economy destruction that it's created is definitely not worth it. Uh, Third caller? This whole new normal is just garbage. We need to go back to doing what Yeah. Third caller says she's not quite ready. I'm over 70. And no, I would not be comfortable. I am so kind of programmed to distance myself and being very careful that I think with the spike in cases, I, I, I think we need to be more prudent in um, what we do and not change our behavior too much. I think it needs to be more gradual. That's my opinion. Thank you. Thank you. The next caller uh, says if the conditions were right, we'd go back. Yes, I would go back to eating out and doing a variety of things if I felt that it was safe. But also, from our end, people have to start wearing masks and being more careful when they're out in public. Right now, when I go into stores and other places, very few people are being careful or wearing masks. They're going up the wrong way on a do not enter aisle without a mask. And it's just, if people were very conscientious, I would go if I felt safe and comfortable. But at this point, I'm not sure that I, I do because of our behavior. I think the stores are doing a pretty good job. That's just a small portion of the voicemails left responding to this question. Are you comfortable going back to quote unquote normal? This all stems from a survey which was administered by the Deseret News in conjunction with the Hinckley Institute, a poll of a thousand Utahns asking them this very question. I'll post uh, this article, the summary of the poll written by Dennis Romboy of the Deseret News. I'll post it to my Facebook page. If you wouldn't mind, uh, go have a look at it there, read through the results and share with me there in the comments uh, how you 
feel? Are you comfortable going back to church, school, or sporting events? Later on in the program, if I have time, I'll play more of these voicemails. But in the meantime, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be looking at the candidacy of Joe Biden. There is a giant question still to be answered. Who will he select as his vice presidential running mate? I think I have an argument for who he should choose. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. And this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Final segment of the program today. I, I mentioned that we would be talking about a history project which is taking place right now among the Utah Division of State History. The project absolutely fascinates me. And if you have been uh, listening to this program for the past number of months, at least since we've entered into the coronavirus era, you know that I very much do enjoy history. And that there are a number of projects around the country right now which are aimed at preserving the American experience right now. There's one at the University of Utah which is asking individuals to share their journal entries and their images of their home and lives as they are being lived in the midst of this coronavirus. There was another uh, endeavor we talked about recently from the Smithsonian Institute, where they have put out a call for artifacts. Things like the masks and the gloves and the various PPE. Uh, if the Smithsonian could get their hands on them, they'd like to use them for uh, maybe an exhibit someday when you and I are able to look back on this coronavirus. And I think that's very valuable. I think it is very, very valuable. One interesting little bit of Lonsbury trivia, the, the home... Uh, where I grew up was uh, recently sold. In fact, the, the paperwork was uh, sold today. Not, not the home uh, that I've talked about, the birthplace of Francis Bellamy, author of the Pledge of Allegiance. No, that one's still, that one's still in, the, in the Lonsbury family. But uh, when I was much younger, uh, I did some growing up in a, in a small, humble home in a small town, and uh, we, we've held on to that home for years and years and years. And, well, the time has come to let it go. And just today, those papers were signed. And when my dad let me and my sisters know that the house was no longer in the Lonsbury family, we spent a number of hours texting back and forth, sharing the memories that we had acquired while in that house. Not all good memories. You know, some of them were sad. There was some uh, some discipline that went on in that house, and that, uh, for some of us, wasn't that exciting uh, or fun. And there were some very momentous occasions. There were Christmases. There was my grandmother who came to spend Christmas with us and share Thanksgiving. She's since passed away. My great-grandmother, the same. She's since passed away. And it was our ability to remember that which was special to us. And the circumstances are much different now. You know, it's not combing through the archives of uh, personal history. But as we look back on the history that we are experiencing together right now, during the coronavirus, there is great value in preserving the experience. And tomorrow what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you some of the experiences which have now been archived under the direction of the State Division of History uh, of young people. Of young people. I had intended to share this with you right now, but if I'm honest, that earlier plea I put out to you uh, has been great in terms of are you comfortable returning to something resembling normalcy? Are you comfortable going back to normal? There was a, a poll which was commissioned by the Deseret News as well as the Hinckley Institute, which asked the question, if appropriate social distancing protocols were established, how comfortable would you be with each of the following activities? And there's a big long list of those activities, going back to church, 
eating in a restaurant, going back to school, allowing your children to play on a playground, going to the store or mall, attending sport of, sporting events, or going to a play or a movie theater. For the most part, people are very or somewhat comfortable. The only exceptions uh, really are going to sporting events and movie theaters where the majority of folks are not very comfortable or not at all comfortable, but it's still close. Many, many folks are comfortable. In fact, if you ask me, I'm comfortable with all of those categories uh, today. And I would bring my wife and baby because I do uh, trust my own ability to exercise good social distancing protocols as well as I have faith in uh, Utahns. I asked for uh, some feedback, and you very generously picked up the phone and called in. Uh, this man called and says he's ready for the new normal. Hey, Lee, I am absolutely comfortable with us getting back to normal, period. The whole reason for slowing the spread was to not overrun the hospitals. Well, our hospitals are at likely less than 10% uh, of the total capacity to treat COVID-19. So, you know, if we get up to 50% uh, occupancy in the hospitals, then okay, maybe then it's time to slow this thing down. But the slower we go while we're not even close to overrunning the hospital, the longer it's going to take for us to get through this virus and truly get back to normal. Echoing that man's sentence, uh, sentiment, the, the next caller says he's ready to go back. I am totally available to going back to normal. I think the government has pushed us way too far and closing everything down. A person should have a choice to do what they want to do and not have government telling them what they're supposed to do. So totally would be willing to go back to life before. Next caller says he will go back carefully with family. A little scary. Um, you want to be safe. You don't want your kids getting sick and suffering. You don't want your spouse to be sick. You don't want to get sick. You need to provide for your family. Um, but at the same time, this is a virus. It's not going away. It's out in the public now. Uh, it's going to be here for the future moving forward with a antivirus not in the near future possibly one or two years down the road the odds are we're going to be exposed to it at some point i think the best thing is that we have a controlled exposure to it so yes when churches open and schools open uh, my kids and myself and my wife we will be attending but we will be attending smartly and we will be moving forward cautiously, but we will be moving forward and we will be supporting those as they come up. Caution, care, and prudence, incredibly important. Uh, two last callers to share with you. This one coming from a gentleman who says, this is all overblown. Yes, I would like to go back to normal. I think this is all overblown and uh, way out of control. And finally, this woman says, it's time. Yes, it's time to start getting back to as much normal as possible. Um, church isn't going to be really normal, but they've got to start getting back to church. Um, I know we're trying to get ours back a little bit, but um, it's going to be way different. But we've got to start doing stuff. Um, the movie theaters have got to do back what they were going to first do, the Miller's theaters. I mean, why not eat twice in a restaurant or three times in a restaurant? Yeah, inside. 
Yeah. Well, that is uh, the sentiment. Those are the sentiments ex- experienced and felt by uh, those of you. I am so incredibly grateful uh, for you for picking up the phone, reaching out, sharing your thoughts with me. Uh, I, I share many of those thoughts. There is some apprehension and some anxiety. It's a little bit scary. But we got to keep moving forward. we got to be prudent. And if we are prudent, we can move forward safely. That's it for me. I'll be back tomorrow at 1230. Now it's time for me to step aside and make way for the great Jeff Kaplan as he brings to you Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news here on KSL News Radio.